please contact us at the hotline 311 psychosocial support at 722-6575 or 518-4157. Brought to you by PAHO, the OACS Commission and UNICEF. And welcome to the show. It is a pleasure having you here. It is Friday, June 19th. It is June 19th and it's we're going into the weekend. And for some people, it's going to be fun. For others, it's not. But in any case, I appreciate you guys tuning in on HITS uh, FM 92.1 and 91.1. Also on Facebook and on Instagram and on Channel 124 there on Flow. Um, of course, first of all, let me just say a special good morning to everyone at St. Jude's at the uh, Viewfort Comprehensive Secondary School. I know a lot of the people there are watching the teachers and the students I'm hearing, so I appreciate you guys tuning in. And um, as we go along now, I would just want to say that with everything going on, a lot of people are suffering financially, psychologically, um, which is something that we have to talk about as well in, in um, a few upcoming shows of how this and the COVID and everything else, how it's affected people mentally. But financially, definitely, we know that is true. So um, a big shout out to, to the Library Credit Union. I know that yesterday they donated 35 laptops to some secondary schools on the island in the south, including the Before Comprehensive. Um, secondary School, Beanfield Comprehensive, Shozel Secondary, PI, um, Miko as well. So, you know, in times like this, I just want to commend them for doing what has to be done. Uh, and we know what happened with the, the laptops and it being discontinued, that policy being discontinued by this current administration. And yes, we're seeing the fallout of it. Uh, nobody expected COVID, but... You know, when it's wrong, say it's wrong. If it, if it had continued, this wouldn't have had to happen. But in any case, let's try to help as many people as we can in this trying time. So once again, thank you to the Library Credit Union. I know a lot of uh, students need these laptops, especially as they're going into CXC. It is a necessity. So doing these things, and if you do have to donate, then do it. And I appreciate you guys on behalf of all the students and the teachers there. I went to before Comprehensive, and I know at this time it was a very uh, trying time. It was very stressful trying to figure out what to do. So I imagine this is no different, especially with the COVID environment that we're working in. Um, and also, as we're in the first segment of this, I want to applaud people for coming out to me and um, to other people as well to help a lady that I interviewed last week. And she cried and her sincerity was in there, her honesty, and there was no shame in her telling her story. But if you saw that and you felt nothing, then that's you. But there are people who, again, just reignite something in me that lets me know the world is not all bad. Because when you're doing this job um, and people want me to, you know, look for something nice to say, look for something nice to say about the people. But I say what I see, and I have to commend the people for reaching out to me 
and wanting to help this lady. And if you weren't there, this is Miss Leona or Miss Leona as I call her in Bruceville. She's a resident there. Um, and she's going through a tough time. And a lot of people are going through tough times right now. We have thousands of people unemployed. And no, I'm not bringing doom and gloom. That is the reality of the situation, which I am telling you. And you know it. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you either. This is, and I, I didn't want to, you know, not put it in. I put it in its entirety, the entire interview. And we should not back away from seeing these things because it is the reality of many people and she she came out to say it, but I know some people are suffering at their homes. Some people do not have anything to eat. Some people do not know how they're going to pay their bills next week. And yes, they have their pride and they won't, but they're scrunting and they're hustling and they're trying to make it happen. But this lady clearly has nothing else. And she came out and she spoke. And now we have a lot of people coming out to her. And again, I wanted to thank these people. But first again, let's look at Miss Leona. Well, now, yeah. South Cafe, all Je <laughs> but um, Shaz may have the accordee that may please tax on the bag. I don't tax on the bag. Or register, souvle, souvle fried chicken, souvle fair, um, um, checkboard. But that's what I do. I I'm not 
so you see there a woman crying during an interview saying her truth and for that i commend her for her bravery because i know a lot of people are suffering but they again everybody has their own free will to do what they want to so if you don't want to say it then don't but she came out and for that i respect her and <clears throat> she when i called her last night um and said you know some people want to help uh, she was very, very grateful, and she says thank you to everybody. She's already getting a lot of calls, um, and how and your generosity. I'm telling you, it is heartwarming. And I do this show, and I talk about corruption and you know abuse of power and a lot of things that are happening in this country. But when we as a people come together in this very, very trying time, when we seem to have incoherent policies coming out of our administration, coming out of our government in everything from education to tourism, and I, I think. You know, us coming together as a people to help a lot of people who are in need, even when we need ourselves. I think that is something I don't want to preach, but I think it's something that we really need to do. But um, Karen Tobier, who is an activist, a community activist as well, she um, wants to help. And she's asking anyone who has any donations for this lady to call her contact at 722-3683. That's 722-3683, Karen Tobier. And she's saying that there will be a donation sort of thing and you guys could bring it all together and then bring it over to her in Bruceville in Viewfort. And if you don't want to message her, then you can also message her on Facebook or uh, call her there as well. So that's what's happening with that. And say what you will, a lot of businesses are suffering. I have a bar in Viewfort and many other people have their small businesses as well. And again, it is suffering. And even now that the curfew is extended to midnight, People are, we've had a culture now of going home by 10. We're already in by 10. Nowhere is open anyway. So the midnight curfew, we're doing much of anything really, um, so far. Um, and I found it interesting because I went out to Rodney Bay just to see what it was like and just to, you know, maybe go have dinner. I don't know. But we went to Rodney Bay and I want to just show you how much of a ghost town it is. And Rodney Bay, we know, has been touted as, you know, the tourism sort of destination where people go and have fun. Or if not, then you go have ice cream at a Leonard's or something. But, you know, it's getting to a very difficult time when, you know, that is just a ghost town. And that was around 8 uh, last night. And I do know that that is just a reflection of a lot of different communities who, where it's not, nothing is running, nothing is opening, nothing, nothing is running at all. So I just want to let people know, especially the small business owners, that 
You need to be strong in this time. I know a lot of people have had to close their doors permanently because of COVID. And also because, if we're going to be honest, what is happening with the incoherent policies that we're getting from our government? What is happening with tourism when you have created protocols for you have created protocols for tourism and, and come, flights coming in and the borders being open. And there was no consultation with anyone, it seems. And that's also coming from the St. Lucia uh, Hotel and Tourism Association, where they're saying that they haven't been consulted. And if they had, they would never say, you know, the 48 hours needing a test to travel to St. Lucia because that in itself has prevented people from coming to St. Lucia. So the borders are open. And we heard from the prime minister just on this show, the borders are open technically, but they're not open. When your leader says that, it's incoherent. People are waiting. And I'm telling you that right now, a year ago, it would have been carnival around this time, June or something running and Verve has something and a boat ride running. Or, you know, we're distracted. We don't really care about politicians and what they're running. And you know how young people are. You get distracted with the alcohol and activities. But I have never seen how there is nothing running. And all we do is sit home very sober very aware of everything happening and wanting to know from the police officers to the teachers to the CCC workers to people at Caribbean in factories to everybody is waiting on a word, something from the government that can tell them what to do next. And I think the confusion is what's really affecting everybody because um, with that going on, when is the tourism opening? 15,000 people are out of a job waiting on what to do next. So I don't know whether the uh, government is going to change the protocols that they have in order to make this border opening make sense um, or what exactly is going on. But I do know that they have put out some new protocols for the taxi drivers, and we have that report. The Ministry of Tourism, in conjunction with the Health Ministry, rolled out the new health and safety protocols for the taxi sector with an accompanying public service announcement on Thursday. The government is also revisiting protocols for airlines. The island reopened its borders to air travel on June 4th, but the air carriers have not been very responsive to the required 48-hour pre-COVID-19 tests, thus sending authorities back to the drawing board. St. Lucia is targeting its main source market, the United States, which is one of the countries at the epicenter of the global pandemic. Tourism Minister Dominic Fede, who admits the move is fraught with public health challenges, underscores the need for concentric layers of protocols to safeguard lives, as taxi drivers are the first point of contact for visitors. The only place where we have an indication where the airlines are ready to fly is from the United States. But that is coupled with a very precarious public health situation where instead of the cases of corona uh, virus or COVID-19 going downwards, it is going upwards. And so what we have to make sure is that at every level of the value chain as we reopen, that we have a robust and rigid plan to ensure that all of the workers within the tourism sector are protected and the taxi drivers are no exception. So. I know that some of the um, protocols would be increased sanitization. Uh, they would include um, taxi drivers having to wear masks. They would include um, special seating arrangements. The last time I saw um, the protocol, it suggested that the in, the, in the middle of yeah, the, the seat, uh, there will be no um, seating arrangements. The minister pushed back at calls to expedite the reopening process, which some critics argue has been ill-defined and lacked urgency. Told from various 
Let's open. Let's let's move ahead and open. Well, it's only been uh, two days or so that Jamaica has been open, and Antigua has only been open for a little over a week, and so we really have no indication as to what successes and what challenges they've had, because it is really too early to tell. Um, when we are still in the early stages of reopening, so I just want to. Um, say at this time that what we have to do is to ensure that we open, but we open right. Taxi operator Miller Charles is a member of the Tourism Taxi Task Force. He applauds the Tourism and Health Ministries for the new guidelines and the emphasis on the well-being of drivers. The safety of our drivers are basically what they place most of their priority on. Um, there were also some other issues about the decertification, which wasn't the case. And um, I would like to take this opportunity right here in front of the minister so that he can assure all our taxi drivers out there that there is no decertification program that, um, that will be going on. But all in all, I think that there is a, a phased approach where we all know that Everything is not going to come back to normal um, very soon. And the most that we can do is, is comply with all of the protocols. Some of the protocols for COVID-19 compliant taxi and rideshare services include drivers must wear a face mask at all times. The official COVID compliance obtained through the Ministry of Tourism must be displayed when on duty. No shaking of hands. A gentle nod or elbow greet will do. Hand sanitizer must be offered to guests prior to entering the taxi, and installing a plexiglass is highly recommended as an added layer of protection between the taxi driver and passengers. Colby DeVoe, HTS News Force. In an effort to ensure patient and first responder safety, the St. Lucia Fire Service has reviewed its patient transfer procedures, especially for patients with respiratory distress. Face masks will be provided. At no time during transportation should the face mask be removed. Please be patient and cooperative during this time to ensure you receive the best possible care while keeping our first responders safe. Thank you so much for staying with us on Hits FM, also on Facebook and on Flow Channel 124. Now, guys, we cannot escape it. We're going to be talking about it for a, f for a few weeks, even I don't know. It's going to be a month. It's going to be more than that that we're going to be talking about what happened on Sunday. And because I was there in person and <laughs> I'm seeing too that I'm in everyone's video. <laughs> I didn't realize that I was in everybody's video, but I was just trying to get everything I could for the show and to, you know, give a good report and a good account of what happened there. Um, but what I didn't know in all the recording I did was when we're seeing now that some people wearing red really were targeted by police 
and that was asked, which was asked of by um, Deputy Commissioner of Police, Mr. Shalry there. Now, the fact that that came out in the public, we know that it's, you know, it's from inside that it came out. It was leaked, and it just goes to show with what I was saying that some police officers are very frustrated themselves, but they do have a job to do. And somebody decided to leak it. I don't know who, but knowing what we know now and knowing that this is verified, we can see that Mr. Shalry... I don't know what to say about Mr. Shalry. I know that we have had our tips. We had the... On Sunday, I was trying to ask some questions. He wouldn't answer. At first, he tried to answer, and for a while, he just put the, his hand in the camera and said he didn't want to speak. And, and after that, he completely ignored me. When you're a reporter to Upasi Bose Hot, you have, you need to have no shame because we will continue telling you no and you have to continue doing it anyway. But, um, I found that very interesting because when we're talking about police and people and the trust that's supposed to be there with the citizenry and police, and then you're having that where people are asked to be turned away if they're wearing red. But at the same time, Mr. Shalry on that same day, around that same time, spoke with the people that were there, including Mr. Regis, including Hunt, including uh, Mr. Frederick, and I was there too recording where he said um, the Prime Minister, he doesn't know anything about a video where the Prime Minister is an Oleo, and if he did, then he cannot confirm, and all that sort of thing. Um, so, this is very confusing, I think, to a lot of people, and frustrating, and yes, it should make some people angry as well. But before we get into the, the more discussion on this, let's take a report from Miguel. It's about 11.15 a.m., Sunday, June 14th. Joyce Medrick, a well-known personality on the local fashion and pageantry scene, posted the following to her personal Facebook page. Quote, I was just stopped and charged by police officer Fraser 779 for wearing a red dress. End quote. And as unbelievable as this may sound for some, based on the subsequent reactions of disbelief, we reached out to Medrick, whom, while did not speak on camera, confirmed the following on the record. She indeed wore a red dress that day, which also happened to be the same day of the event dubbed the anti-Chastney around the island drive. Medrick, however, affirmed to NBC Prime that she was not part of the motorcade, but on her way to the West Coast to deal with a death in the family. But she was stopped, she says, near the foot of the Goodlands Cul-de-Sac Hill, close to Peter and Company Limited. And that was after numerous police officers allowed her to drive through. Now, while it was not said outright, Medrick told us it was more instinct, which made her believe it was because of the color outfit she wore. The charge issued, however, was for the incorrect font on her license plate. And then another officer informed that the motorcade was on the Millennium Highway, which is when the police broke down and repositioned the roadblock to the cul-de-sac entrance of the highway. Now, similar complaints emanated from other individuals who claimed to have not been part of the drive and others who were as well. The charges, they were targeted because they wore red, the established color of the St. Lucia Labour Party. And during Tuesday's appearance on the National Television Network, Acting Commissioner Milton Daisy was asked the following question. How do you respond to the claim that the force has fallen victim to political interference and officers are acting on the whims of those in power? There have been several criticisms of the considerable use of police resources on Sunday. Let me inform again that at no time that the police uh, is acting based on um, 
information or based on directives from any political um, individual. It has not happened and it will not happen and I don't think there's any intention for it to happen. Um, there is an event. The duty of the police is to protect lives and property and that is what we would do. If we are aware that there is an event, whether it is um, authorized or not, as I said, based on your threat assessment, you will know how many persons you need to police uh, that event. And this is what we will continue to do. And to the charge of individuals being singled out or charged because they wore red? Can you speak to that? Do Are you aware of any such incidents occurring? No, I'm not aware of any such incidents occurring about persons having various colors. And so I'm not aware of it. And um, I don't think um, that wearing of colors at that point constituted any, any offense, really. Now, three days later, on Thursday, June 18th, this circulates a purported page from a police daily diary basically a log of activities complaints and instructions received at the denry station during a 24-hour period or in other words the entire day and the one circulating as shown on your screen highlights in particular number 16 in the serial number column the time 11:21 a.m sunday june 14th substance of the report quote Note, by order of DCP Shari, all vehicles with persons dressed in red should be diverted back to cast trees, end quote. DCP Shari in that case would be Wayne Shari, seen on numerous occasions interacting with Richard Frederick and at one point physically removing him from the Jeremy Street crowd. We have since reached out to the office of the police commissioner where the veracity of the document has been confirmed. NBC Prime understands that an investigation has been launched into the matter. However, there is another operational issue of secrecy, which the leakage of this diary excerpt may have been in direct contravention of the police standing orders. Standing order number 37 speaks to information to the press. It says, quote, Police officers shall be forbidden to take any part in the management of any newspaper or to give information of any kind, whatever, to the press without the sanction of the Commissioner of Police. Subsection 2 says, Secrecy in official matters is of greatest importance in a police force and all officers must understand that matters within their official knowledge must not be subjects for ordinary conversation, either with members of the public in general or within the family circle. Police officers shall exercise care to guard against conversational or official matters being overheard, inquiring into reports within the hearing of unauthorized persons and allowing themselves to be drawn into conversations on police matters by persons of an inquisitive or inquiring nature. End quote. Miguel Favre, NBC Prime. Now, DCP Shalri, I would love now to have an interview with you on so many different issues because in this past week, from Sunday now to Friday, so many things have happened with the police and things that we didn't know of, things that we would want to know, and some of it is because of the camera footage that has been out there and somehow the different policies that can be enacted, like somebody can be arrested without knowing why, somebody can spend um, up to 72 hours on seemingly on the whims of, you know, whoever's in power and decides that they can, and a lot of other issues like that. Now, um, Milton Daisy said he's not aware of anything like that and that doesn't constitute an offense and for the record i do 
believe him. I like to give him the benefit of the doubt because his name was nowhere. It was just Mr. Shalry. But having spoken to Mr. Shalry that day, and with everything that he saw and the things that he said, I, it again surprises me. And when you speak of as well, Miguel spoke of secrecy within the police. I, I understand that completely because if you're going to have police, you need to have some confidentiality about things. But for me, it is about the trust. And I'm seeing in real time trust dismantling. It's disintegrating between um, the people of St. Lucia and the police. And not just the people who are doing the work on the ground, the higher echelon people within uh, the police force. And the question of whether there is political interference, I think, is something. It's a very important question, and Lisa Joseph asked it. And again, I commend her for working NTN and having to ask these really pertinent questions um, in such a way, because NTN, you know, it's more of a governmental information service sort of thing. So having to ask that um, is very important. And we have to ask that of all the others, all the other uh, police commissioners, like I would need to ask that of Mr. Shalry. But again, it just speaks to the law and seemingly the law being enacted on some people and then not on others. People are concerned, and rightfully so, that the state of emergency and everything else is only for the Maliwe and it's only for business people, it's only for people who cannot afford, it's only for that sort of thing. And I remember having a caller and uh, she said the Prime Minister has to go out and the Prime Minister went out because um, he was going to help with people and he wanted to hear the stories of people and that is his job as Prime Minister and yes he had his people and so what the man cannot wear a, color, a, a shirt and so what he has to wear, why does he have to wear a, a mask if he's doing the work for the, of the people? The Prime Minister put in a state of emergency. He did that. And he is breaking it for, you know, in an effort to canvas. And clearly we're seeing campaigning going on there. And no, I will not stop saying it. I will continue to say it because I think it is so, so unjust. And these are some of the things that we need to really look into because I'm telling you, police officers, right now with everything going on and we know that it's the silly season going on, we know we're in the middle of a pandemic, we need our police officers and more than just the need, we need to trust our officers to protect and serve us. Not an administration, not a prime minister, not for power and people are not feeling that. So the public relations... In the police, they have to come good. They have to, I, I don't know what kind of revamping that has to happen, but I understand that many police officers are trying to do their, uh, trying, trying to do their job, but a lot of people are worried about that. And because of that though, I think we need to look back on the many instances that the prime minister and his uh, staff members, his colleagues have broken some of the laws that he himself enacted. You are exposing unnecessarily very valuable resources that we have. Our police officers, our nurses, our doctors, 
our ambulance um, attendants, and potentially even our firemen, and some of our government servants. So when they have to unnecessarily come into more contact with individuals than they should, the risk of them catching the virus increases exponentially. And I keep saying to you, think of one person that you love in this country, more than anything else. And every time it becomes difficult, think of that person and what you're potentially exposing that person to. Your family members, your neighbors. Jiao <laughs> Yu! It would be irresponsible as me as your prime minister with the responsibility of protecting all solutions. There is too many uncertainties that exist in the country today for people to be to be able to be uh, doing that kind of behavior. Our family members, for our neighbors, our friends, and for our countrymen. We owe it to them. The people who suffer from diabetes, people who suffer from hypertension, people who already have respiratory ailments, the elderly in our society, people with low immune systems. We must do it for them. Many of us may not even know that we're going to be infected by corona, but we're going to carry it. So the only way to protect everyone is for everyone to act as if the person that you're interacting with has corona. <laughs> So some of the behavior, ill-advised behavior that we saw taking place this weekend And the consequence of persons not adhering to those rules creates a tremendous amount of threat in your communities. Only takes the irresponsible behavior of a couple of people to jeopardize 
everything that we're attempting to be able to do. This is the wrong time to be trying to take advantage of people. I'm asking you to stop behaving so selfishly. Social distance, social distance. <laughs> Hello, today let's talk about physical distancing, why we need it and what does it mean. Physical distancing is deliberately increasing the physical space between people to avoid the spreading of an infectious illness. In this case, the new coronavirus, also known as COVID-19. <laughs> this virus spreads from person to person through a sneeze or a cough or even through talking. The droplets from a sneeze, cough or loud speech flow through the air before settling on surfaces like your countertops, tables, doorknobs, keys or your mobile phones. It can even be breathed in if you are close enough to a person who has the virus. The virus then waits for an opportunity to be passed on to the next person you come into contact with. Staying six feet away from others is the best distance to avoid any spread of the virus from one person to the next. If you're waiting in line at the supermarket or the bank, Follow the markers set on the floor to try to visualize a six-foot distance from the person in front of you and wait there, even outside of the building. Why? Well, if everyone practices physical distancing, we can help prevent the spread of COVID-19 as the chances of passing it on to another person is reduced. Physical distancing also means that we do the following. Avoid contact with someone who is displaying symptoms of COVID-19. These symptoms include cough, sneeze, sore throat, and fever. Avoid the unnecessary use of public transportation, as you should be going out only when required. If unavoidable, travel with less people. Work from home wherever possible. Avoid social gatherings at bars, restaurants, as well as going to fests and casual lines as the infection spreads easily when people gather together. Since you should not be gathering with friends and family, you can still remain in touch by giving a call, connecting online or through social media. 
Unless it is absolutely necessary, you should not be visiting older relatives as they are one of the groups most vulnerable to COVID-19. By these simple actions, we can all make a big impact to reduce the spread of COVID-19 on our St. Lucia. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for, again, spending your morning with me on Hits FM 92.1 and 91.1 FM on Facebook live i see you guys there as well thank you so much for joining and on channel 124 there on flow now <laughs> the next topic i'm telling you the thing is it's like you know how it is watching cnn and trump will have one antic and he will do some madness and then before you even try to grasp that there's something else so you haven't even fully analyzed something and then there's on we're on to another one and i find it is difficult to stay abreast of all of this but you know in good governance and you need you need that sort of thing so this one now is a new document showing that showing how power can allow one person to come on the island and ask the police commissioner to you know make some exception for someone who is coming to help with politics and helping the United Workers Party get re-elected. And we know we're in the middle of campaigning. Whatever you say, you can't deny that. That's happening for sure. And it was first said by, of course, popular talk show host Richard Frederick. Let's take a listen and then we'll discuss. It says, and it's addressed to the Commissioner of Police, Dear Sir, authorization for entry into St. Lucia, Donna Lynn Rutherford. The Department of Health and Wellness grants authorization for Donalyn Rutherford to enter St. Lucia on Friday, May 1st, 2020. She will arrive at Judge George Charles Airport approximately between 12 and 1 p.m. on Bidget 400A, flight number N800SD. Any courtesies extended to her will be greatly appreciated. So, folks, I did not write this letter. I did not write this letter. Now, you might ask, who is, who is Donna Lynn, what's her name? Donna Lynn Rutherford. Donna Lynn Rutherford, folks, could you put up Donna Lynn Rutherford business there for me? Right? She is... She's 58 years old, is currently listed, and gives, it gives her address, and is affiliated with the Republican Party of Florida. You all heard that? She's affiliated with the Republican Party of Florida. Now, what I want you to do, Mr. Technician, is to put on screen the book that she has written for me, please. She wrote this book. Cognitive biases for social cues in social phobia. Folks, this essentially means that this lady wrote a book on observing the psyche of our people through Facebook, through this, through that, through the other, studying it and packaging it well to advise Alan Shastley and company 
as to what they should do to have some kind of psychological advantage over the people of this country. That is what it is all about. It is nothing less. That is exactly what it is. So folks, you could take it down. So we have here, folks, Mr. Trump from America sending a troop or troops from America for Mr. Trump down here. There are five of them at Rodney Bay. They live in the vicinity of Republic Bank. Three of them are from the U.S., affiliated with the Republican Party, and two of them are from the Conservative Party in the U.K. There are also six St. Lucians residing with them. So there are five Cambridge Analytical folks trying desperately to tell those people what to do to interfere with our minds to probably work on us psychologically so that we end up seeing nothing but yellow. Now, at the beginning when I heard of you know, Cambridge Analytica, I was saying, you know, Cambridge Analytica wouldn't want to come to Sinusha in our two-by-four island. You know, these people have working in the UK government and getting the US elections and getting other things. And then when, we, when I did more research on it, they do come to small island states like ours and... You cannot deny that that is what's happening here. Now, because of that, again, there are so many different things that we have to look into. Like, in the beginning with the coronavirus, I always said that the CMO was doing a great job. I think she's very competent. The prime minister at the time was listening to her. You could see things running smoothly. And then when you see this document where people, certain people are given royal treatment for the sole purpose of having an election won, while other people have to deal with the protocols that the same CMO is putting out, but then you can make, you know, put out a, a letter to the uh, commissioner, acting commissioner, to have one person come in to ensure that the UWP stays in power. But before we get into that, it just seems that Senusha is side by side living two very different realities. We have the state of emergency, but the border is open. We have laws governing people like us. Like we can't go out and it's a state of emergency so we can't do anything. Then you have the prime minister doing what he wants. You cannot go out for a drive and even though there's many people and you cannot wear red. But the prime minister in his yellow shirt can go and shake hands and talk to different people and do all those sort of things. What country are we living in? What country are we living in? And then you have to wonder too, like, is it fair? When this woman came, was she quarantined? Why did nobody say something? Why does everything have to be leaked for us to know anything happening? And now we know what's going to happen. So the, the game is going to get really, really dirty. We're going to see things in a way. And it's been done before. We've seen it done before. So you're going to see now um, people targeting um, the church people. You know, we're going to go into religion in a while. And then we're going to go into youth. Because it's all been done before. And it's a strategy. And it doesn't change much. But you know what's different? I think St. Lucians are no longer blinded by these things anymore. And if we are, then we shouldn't be. Because like I said earlier, there are no distractions. We are not drunk. We are not, we don't have, we have nothing to do. There's no jazz. There's no carnival. So it's for us to look at our business. And when I saw that, I was so angry because some people have to live with the protocols that are being made. 
And then you have people close to power who can just circumvent their own laws and let, let, let people run out. Like, you know, do you have an uncle that if he wants to come down that you can say, you know, just let that person pass for me. They're coming on a jet. Just let them come for me, please. You don't do that. But what I have heard was one person speaking of Cambridge Analytica and their strategies. And, you know, it will change because we have our own culture here. And when I heard it, it was so, it was an epiphany to me. And I hope it is to you. A person like um, Miss Flynn Rutherford serves the purpose of collecting data on the electorate, as much information as they can get, what people think, what people's morals are, where their lines are. She co- all of that information is collected, so it builds a psychological profile of the electorate, both for and against a particular issue, a particular government, governance, whatever. So you have all of that data that is collected over a period of time. And what that information is used for is to help craft a message that will be favorable to her clients, both for those who support or those that are against. So, for example, with our current situation and the... the Persons who chose to go on a drive on Sunday, those persons came out in full force and in full numbers. But if you craft a message that takes away from that message that was sent yesterday, that can be um, receptive to her client, if, if we say her client is the current administration, the UWP seeking support. How do you craft a message you, what you know about St. Lucians, they know a lot. So they know St. Lucians are God-fearing people, people who obeyed, obeyed the law. So what is the message coming out of? What are you hearing? What is on Facebook? What is being discussed? That people broke the law. People were not supposed to protest. People were supposed to get permission. They did not. There was an arrest. All of that is coming up. All of that is what the conversation is. It has been crafted that way because people will respond to it. Their supporters will respond to it. Those who respect the law will respond to it, even if they agree. Yes, I don't like the parents, but that's not the way to do it. That's the message that is coming out of it. You are hearing nothing that a strong message was sent, that people are not satisfied with the government. That is not the message that is being sent. Today we are talking about the police action. We are talking about people not obeying the law. That's the message that they wanted. That is what she is here for. To craft a message based on what she knows about the people in the country. What will her clients respond to? What will demoralize the other side? What are we hearing about the persons who went on the march? That they were abandoned by the leadership of the party. They leave them by themselves to go. That is the message that they are receiving. So, when you have somebody who understands the electorate to the point where they can even pinpoint persons who can influence other persons and what message these people need to receive so that they can influence others to see things their way, especially on Facebook. Because a lot of people, whether they go in and they have that, they are influenced by what happens on Facebook. They can measure that. 
it is building a psychological profile to tell you what to think and how to think about issues. That is what she's there for. That is what we are dealing with. And that is dangerous. When you have an electorate that is very low information. Low information voters are the ones the majority of that is targeted to. The persons who only get information from one source. And the majority of our readers or people in St. Lucia do not read. What do they depend on? What they see on radio and what they hear on television. They do not read. They do not find out for themselves. So they base the majority of what they think based on what they hear. And that is what they depend on. And it is easier to craft a message. That is the way they are going to tell people what to think. And no matter how much you talk sense... It doesn't matter. They will lie. They will give you the, the... They will lie. They will craft the truth in all kinds of ways to serve their purpose. That is what the analytics tells them, what to tell people so that they can respond. How to craft truth, lie, whatever, so people will respond the way that they want them to respond. You have to have the information and you have to counter those imp- you have to counter those attacks. Because no matter what you do, there will be a message out giving putting it in the best interest of their client. Now I'm thinking if somebody is going to be a mind bender, I don't know if you guys watch Avatar, there are you know benders. And if you're going to be a mind bender, how do you combat that? What do you even do? When you, when you have this thing, and I think the information is how you combat these things. We know what's coming. I'm betting you the money I don't have with the money that you don't have, that the next thing we're going to see is the prime minister making a play with religion. And it's going to come in a way of using the church for some political, political points or political gain or something of the sort. Because, you know, these things never, it doesn't change. So we've seen him do it before. I think we're going to see it again very, very soon. And for me too, the prime, the prime minister, in everything that's going on, it just seems that political points just seems to be the main priority. We have yet to hear any coherent uh, plan for tourism, anything about uh, really what's happening with uh, the NIC, the people that aren't going to work and people that need sort of the, the assistance for that. And yes, they say it's coming in the next week. Um, but we have heard nothing from the prime minister in about a week, two weeks at all, nothing at all. But yet politics and trying to regain the election, that seems to be the main priority of the state. Of the state, that's what it looks like. And you know what? Let me just open the lines at 5727588 because I'm still trying to grapple, trying to ra- put my head around everything that's going on. And with everybody, we've seen one lady crying and many people are crying and people need assistance from us, from the state, from our government. And it just seems that nobody cares. And all we care about is, and all the government seems to care about is staying in power. Now, I know for a fact there are new uh, public relations people um, giving the Prime Minister advice. The thing's moving differently, people. Election's coming, and we're seeing it now. It is going to get dirty and very, very, very interesting. But what this lady in that voice note just said, it also told me, it showed me that I was falling for it too because when I was at the, at the, at the drive and we were, we were there trying to get footage, 
even now, the issue is, was it lawful or wasn't it? And um, what's happening with the police and a lot of things like that. And nobody is saying, and nobody is remembering that thousands of people came out on Sunday because they were frustrated. About 400 vehicles made around around the island without anybody leading it. There was no Frederick. There was no Hunt. And people were just, you know, going around the island. That, that is the issue. The frustration that people have, the anger that they have, that truly is what should be, what we should be speaking about. And they too, they're seeing that. So we have a call. Good morning. Yeah, morning. Yes. Good morning. I'm, I'm calling you for contribution. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, it is hurting. It is very hurtful in that we have allowed the Prime Minister, Alan Chastney, to escape with everything. How Alan Chastney was able to win, we allowed him to have... 17 virgins, one from each constituency, and I have heard nothing. Dressed like a priest with holy water is a sacrilege. For we Catholics, we know this is a sacrilege. The man had his 17 virgins dressed in white. They all had candles burning, and this is what caused him to win the elections. And now we are hearing of some other people coming in, Whereas we need to travel, we cannot travel, God forbid. What is wrong with us in this country? What is wrong with Alan Shatney who wants to put his leg, his whole body on our necks in this little St. Lucia? Power is sweet, right? Why is this happening to us? Why are those in a story? What happened to the, to, to the opposition? What happened to those people sitting around the table together with him? Is this right? God forbid. Tricia, I yes, mean, yes. let me tell you something. You see what is being played there on this um, Cambridge Analytica? This thing has to be going on like a, like a novena. Non-stop. Yeah. Let those persons who are illiterate and ignorant hear about it and, and let it be like a requiem. Because we need to instruct and educate the, 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 the citizenry about the hell that is happening in this country. And the more they ask him to hold back on this, this, um, this airport, airport um, con- yes, he's in it. What is wrong with him? What is the matter with your prime minister? He's not mine, I know. He's not yours? But we are es- having him to escape with murder. What happened to, to what's his name? Pierre. They now should, should go around or at least get a medium to let the people know, educate the masses. Agreed. My the God. education is what is needed. And this, no, he's lying there. He's, he's not sleeping. Some people would say, Bojeki la se, se papa o epi ipa, ise bo pemwe. No, ise papa no tout. And I think we have taken enough of that shit. It is time. It is, it is dépassé. That is my contribution. Because he, he escaped it. This is what had him to win, you know. This is the evil that the man performs, you know. Seventeen virgins, one from each country, dressed in white with a candle. And you heard no priest, no bishop, nobody say anything about it. Thank you very Up much. To now. Thank you. Thank you, Thank Tricia. You. Take care. God. Thank you.
Now, um, we're hearing, of course, a lot of frustration going on there. Masab about Sibaisa, Masab about Jess, Masab Sibaisa, I will never, I will not put my hand in fire for that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, I did see the candles and the, the drape or whatever it's called. Uh, we have a call. Good morning, caller. Hi, good day. Hi, good day. Um, with regards to the last caller, I don't believe in this thing about the 17 virgins. I think people are really depressed and very um, obviously not happy at the time. So they voted the only alternative party at the time. But I don't believe in the virgin thing. Now, the thing is, um, with this white woman, um, I think Lucian are more educated, well, I would say a bit more educated now when it comes to these things. And people would actually look at the way, the way things are moving for them rather than, um, you know, I mean, they would not go according to what they want to see or what, you know, her opinion or whatever it is. Sometimes people tell you, yes, they wouldn't for this party, and when the time comes, they vote for the, 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 the party which they feel should be there. Right. You know, so at the end of the day, I don't think people let that really um, change their minds about what they want, because people are living, people live their lives, and they know what, how they've been affected and what's affecting them. Everybody runs their house, and they know how their house has been run. And at the end of the day, I don't think they would let opinions on Facebook and other things affect how they go about voting. So she can take the information, but she might be well taking the wrong information. You think so? so? I don't think that would change the price of coffee anyway. You think so? Thank you. Thank you very much, caller. Now, everybody has different opinions on what's going on, but what we cannot deny is that it really is here. It's not some conspiracy theory anymore. We do know that the prime minister is having help in, you know, mind-bending and trying to get people's biases and trying to mold it into something else. And if you look into what Cambridge Analytica does, that is exactly what they do. And they have been successful in many, many cases. And will it work here? We, in the end, in the end, we are the ones with the power. In the end, we are the ones who um, have to know exactly what is going on. But with that voice, and when it said, and when the lady said, um, even with what happened on Sunday, nobody is talking about that it was the frustration of the people, it was the anger of the people, it was the people deciding to come out on a Sunday, no matter in what colors they were um, they were wearing, they came out and they showed support, and they did not need a leader. They didn't need a leader. They continued on their drive, and that happened to be that, and I really want us, because I've decided not to focus on any arrest. I've decided to not focus too much on the law. What I am concerned about is, of course, police, um, the, the higher top cops and maybe whether they lied or that sort of thing. I do want to know the truth. I do want to know that. But for me, in what happened on Sunday, it is about the people. And if we could just, again, listen to the people on what happened there on Sunday.
in St. Lucia when we as we as a people our rights to democracy have been stifled you have a prime minister who has his knee on our necks and we are not polluted he breaks the law but issues with police escort but I understood this morning that instructions were given to arrest me for organizing this
minimizes injustices and things, and if one can do it, the other could do it. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. I see the prime minister in all different districts, and they never, they never, they never, they, they, they never stop him on a you know? They never stop the man. They never stop him. So why, why is that good for, for the, 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 the people? discussions can happen after what happened on Sunday with who got arrested and was it right was it lawful was it fair all these are of course questions that need to be asked but let's not forget that thousands of people took to the streets on their drive to say that they wanted their prime minister to go and that in the end is the story that is completely the fact and there were hundreds of vehicles there as well and in the end too it just really showed me that People looking for the leader of that when there really was none to me. And it just showed me that everyone is their own leader. And it showed on Sunday. And I don't know, maybe it'll show itself again. But, you know, I have come to the end of the show again. I appreciate you guys listening to us on radio, on TV, on social media, from, you know, Hits FM to Facebook, and of course on Channel 124. I appreciate it for you tuning in, and I hope you have a great, really good weekend, and I leave you with um, 
the video that that caller just spoke about with um, Chastity having the 17. I don't know. I don't know about virgins. I don't know about the jest. I don't know about these things. But I do have a clip, and we'll end it with that. But before I do, I just again want to say thank you guys, and have a great weekend. Political leader makes his way to the stage. See how he's trying to light his own candle some other way. See now your sister. She's been robbed and lied to. Still holds a candle without a Let's raise our kids.